So glad that you're here this morning. Uh, just, just a couple of quick notes. Number one, uh, next, uh, next Sunday, right after church, will be our first junior high event. And you can get more information right out here at Connect Central. That's the big uh, thing out in the... Uh, you'll see what I'm talking about if you haven't seen it yet. The big thing that's out in the lobby out here. And would love to have you go by there and just find out more about that. If you've got junior high kids or if you're a junior higher and you're here by yourself. I don't know why that would happen, but let's just say it did for a second. Like, you could do that as well. It'd be awesome to, to have you do that. And so... Uh, we want to see this kicked off well and, and see uh, junior high students ministered to or continue to be ministered to uh, at a greater level. Secondly is this, is that uh, we are a church uh, that desires to love Jesus and, lives out, and, lives outward, and live outward, I should say. Uh, we love Jesus and we live outward. That's, that's what we're doing. One of the ways that we do that is by serving in our local community. And the, one of the primary ways that we're doing that is through Richmond Elementary. Uh, we have other things starting at other schools through our community groups and things of that nature. But Richmond Elementary in particular uh, is a hard-hit area with kids that don't have food. And so we kicked off a program uh, a, a few months ago, a couple of months ago, where we're taking food there. Or we bag it up, and, we, and they distribute it. On, um, on Fridays because some of these kids don't have food to eat uh, throughout the weekend. And so what we're doing is we're providing food for this, and we're taking it there, and so forth. So lots of energy in the beginning, and now we're about the middle, and we need to keep that energy up. And so one of the ways that you can help with this is by giving towards that, uh, giving and designating your gift towards, uh, towards Richmond Elementary, um, or bringing food. There's a list of food that's right out here on this food table that's right next to the restrooms, and you can give food towards that. We cannot have anything with peanuts in it, just so you know. Um, I would just avoid uh, things with nuts altogether, all but uh, we need your help in this. Uh, as a church, we want to come together and do this, and so it is an expensive thing because small, individually packaged things are expensive. We're looking for ways to make it uh, uh, less expensive and so forth, but I just want you to know that this is an incredible ministry because the, the teachers, the uh, principal, the, the people, the administrators, and, and people who are there uh, get to see that, that we're bringing stuff to serve this community that many of which do not come to our church, most of which do not come to our church, and, and so we get to be there to serve them, not desiring anything back from them, but just to serve them. So this is a way that we can show that we love Jesus by living outward in our city. So please help us with that. That would be awesome. Secondly, uh, here we are. This period uh, of time throughout the year is uh, there is a lull in giving altogether. And so the, one of the ways that you can help is by continuing in generosity. If you're not giving 10% uh, of your income and you're a part of our church, we want to ask you to work towards that or be at that and start the month by giving first. Give the first fruits of what you have because then it's going to cause you to be dependent on God throughout the month. Now, we're not asking anybody to give more than what they have or what they can, but what we're asking is that you'd walk in faith like those of us who are in leadership, walk in faith with our finances uh, by giving. Now, if you're not a part of uh, Outward Church or you're kind of suspicious of this whole giving thing, I just want to ask you to just keep the funds that you have that God has given you and, and you wait until
until God impresses on your heart uh, to give. And until that point, we just want you to come and receive. And so that's, that's a message to uh, our folks here at the church. Continue to give faithfully. Uh, this morning, we're going to again be in Proverbs, all over Proverbs, and a little bit into Ephesians probably and, and so forth. But we're talking uh, about marriage. But this, this Proverbs series, we've called it Decisions, When Life Hits the Fan. And the reason why we've done that is because your life is a series of decisions. And each one of those decisions uh, cause your life, as it were, to take small turns throughout your life. And it, it, it's directing where you're going. Your little decisions are making big turns throughout your life, whether you know it or not. And the way that you're going to be able to navigate life and be able to understand what life is supposed to be like and to understand what God wants from you is by walking in wisdom. But one of the things that we don't necessarily understand is what is wisdom? See, wisdom is not just knowing things, but wisdom is knowing how to apply the knowledge that you have and to be able to function in life as a result. Wisdom is being able to apply the knowledge that you have. If you have knowledge and you're not using it appropriately, this is what Proverbs would call foolishness. It, the fool is the person who does not apply what they have. And so we want to be people who are understanding uh, what it looks like to live in life and to continue in that and to continue uh, working out life in a way that's wise so that we can come into our city and be a help to people and be a help to our society rather than a hindrance. And so this morning, we're going to be talking kind of about marriage, but uh, before you tune me out, if you're single, you're not married yet, or uh, you're even younger, we have, we have some junior hires who are, who are in here, people who are not quite there yet. Many of us have grown up in homes where dysfunction has taken place, and that dysfunction leads you and I to make decisions about how we're going to live life. You don't even know it, but you've made decisions about how you're going to live life, and you've made decisions about the mate that you're going to choose, and you've made decisions about how your marriage is going to function simply because you are a person, simply because you've been raised up in some type of situation. And so as a result, what you have is you have learned behavior before you even have the behavior and what's taking place is this, is that there is no doubt in my mind that somewhere in your life, there's some bit of dysfunction that's going on. There's some bit of area in your life that you're not necessarily looking at it correctly. And so this morning, I want to say that this is a little bit of choosing a spouse. It's about choosing a spouse for you. It's not too early to start to begin thinking about what type of person do I want to marry in the future even as a junior high student or as a, as a high schooler or somebody who is single, not yet married, it's not too early to do that. Don't just put that off. Think these things through because it's not going to be very long before your heart is captured by someone and you need to know with wisdom, is this the right choice? Is this the right decision that I should be making? What, what should I keep doing? Uh, how, who should I be looking for? What kind of traits do I want them to have? And ultimately, how do I become somebody who doesn't end up on the wayside with my marriage? And by that, I mean this. You know, we put a lot of time and effort, put a lot of time and effort into the beginning of our marriages. We put a lot of time and effort into thinking about uh, what we want that person to look like or how much money we want them to make or what, what type of personality traits we want. We put a lot of time and effort into the beginning, and we don't put 
a lot of time and effort into the end. There's a pastor who used to say, the most important day of your marriage is not the first day, it's the last day. The most important day of your marriage is not the first day, it's the last day. And how much time do we put into the last day of our marriage? How much time do you put into thinking about what God has for you in your life? And people say, you know, I, I, don't, really, um, I don't really get this, this idea that you're talking about. Who cares if we love each other? But here's the thing. Like when you say, I just, I love this person and I, and I, I just want to get married to them. Here's what you're saying. When you misunderstand what marriage actually is, when you misunderstand what that means, all you're saying is this, is you're saying, I have love for this person in the present. I have love for this person right here and right now. But what God says, because God is the originator of marriage, and if you don't believe that, that's okay. I just want you to listen. I just want you to hear. I just want you to hear my argument here, and that is that God is the originator of marriage. And here's why marriage breaks down all the time. It's because people like me and you misunderstand the purpose of marriage because marriage is not a declaration of present love as Tim Keller says marriage is not a declaration of present love but it is a promise of future love it is a covenant it's saying this I'm not just going to be loving to you right now I'm not just going to really like you right now and this is one one of the reasons if I've if I've performed your wedding uh, one of the things that I, I've probably cautioned you on is writing your own vows because of this, because vows are something that need to be taken very seriously, very, very, very seriously, because it's not about how you feel right now. Like, I really think you're awesome, and I'm looking forward to doing all kinds of activities with you, and you're hot, and I promise I'll make you breakfast every morning, and I, you know, I won't leave the toilet seat up, and like, just silly, stupid things like this. And yet what you're not saying is this and what you're not thinking. And sometimes you have no concept of it as a single person. But marriage is not a declaration of your love right now. It is a promise of future love. And the question is, like, how are you going to make it to there if really when you get into marriage, the way that you're thinking about it is you're saying, like, I just want them to know that I love them right now. But you, you have not put thought into the years and years and years of hurt and pain. The separation, the divorce. When families are split apart, the pain of that that revisits you weekly, sometimes daily. If, if nothing else, just losing that spouse. Separation from kids. Dealing with the finances, separating things out, knowing that you screwed things up. You don't understand. When marriages split up, when they separate, what happens is this, is that there is a tearing of the flesh. There is this tearing that happens. And the tearing is this. It is mental. It is spiritual. It's emotional. There's an aspect of it that's physical because of this. The two shall become one flesh. When God said that, that, that we should have marriage and that we should get married, what he said was this, is that these two people, they're coming together, and what God has put together, let not man separate. And when you separate that, and when you break that up, it is a world of hurt. So many of you are in here, and you're not to that point yet. You're not to that point yet in your marriage. Maybe you're not married yet, or you're about to get married, or you are uh, just newly married, and so the idea of divorce is not quite there yet. But some of you have already been divorced, 
and you've already been through this, and you know what I'm talking about, and you're just saying, you're right, this is rough, this is tough stuff, and most of us in here probably come from broken homes. Most of us in here come from homes that have divorce in them, and the years upon years, the birthdays, the holidays, the everything that's going on, and the discomfort of, of having to hang out with mom, and then having to hang out with dad, and all of that stuff, and not that we don't want to hang out with them, it's just that it's difficult. You don't want that. So listen, a wise man, a wise woman listens to advice. A wise man and a wise woman listen to advice. You cannot deal with this on your own. You cannot deal with the issues that you're having or that you're going to have on your own. You have to be somebody who says, I am going to listen to advice. And if, if that's all you hear this morning about what you're looking for in a mate or what you're hoping to be as a husband or as a wife, then that might be good enough. A wise man, a wise woman listens to advice. As you may know, men and women are very different creatures. Um, there are many people today that are trying to say that you can choose your gender. We reject that argument completely. We do believe that there are people who grow up and for some reason they feel like the opposite sex. However, what we believe from Scripture is this, is that God intended that person to be the gender that they were created to be. God created that person to be the gender that they are. And so as a result, you have different traits and you have different roles within the context of your marriage. But our culture doesn't get this. However, these are things that you already know that men and women are different. Take, for instance, when a woman says, I have nothing to wear. She goes into the closet and she says, I just, I don't have anything to wear. And then you go into the closet and you just go, not that my wife has done this, but you go into the closet and you just go, are you serious right now? Like, like, what about this one? 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 What about this? I mean, like, I have nothing to wear. And what she's saying, she's saying, I just don't feel good in anything that I have right now. But a guy, typically, if he comes and he says, I have nothing to wear, I mean, he's pretty much going out in his underwear, if, if, that, if, that's, if that's what's going on. I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, like, I have nothing to wear. Like, there is nothing. I mean, it's a very good example. Like, there's literally nothing in my closet. Like, everything is dirty. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, I'll take off my outer shirt, my nice shirt, and I've got my um, uh, undershirt on, and I'll be watching TV, and I'll just get real relaxed, and, and I, I'm just kind of going like this, watching TV, and my wife goes... Uh, when you take that shirt off, I'm throwing it in the trash. And the re normally she's saying that because of this. Like, I should not be wearing that, and I'm just still wearing it. I really don't have anything to wear, but I, I'm, you know, it's just a little bit too revealing in the armpit, if you know what I'm talking about. It's just kind of exposing a little bit too much of Matt, and she does not love that. Here's another example. Like, when a woman says to a man, like, what you thinking about? What you thinking about? I mean, like... The, that's the question, isn't it, guys? Like, what, what, all right, I, now I've got to think about what I'm thinking. Am I thinking about anything right now? 
Like, is there anything going on here right now? Like, I've been thinking all day. Why can't I just stop thinking right now? Why do you got to start the thinking process again? And so she's going into this thing, and she wants me to start thinking, and I don't want to think anymore, and uh, whatnot. But really, you know what's going on is like nothing. We're not thinking about anything. It's just it's, there's, there's nothing there. In fact, there was this uh, funny post. You may have seen it on, on Facebook, whatever it is, one of those memes or something like that. It's a his and her diary. And there's this really distraught-looking woman uh, on, on the picture, and she says in her diary, dear diary, she says, Tonight I thought my husband was acting weird. He had made plans to meet, we had made plans to meet at a nice restaurant for dinner. I was shopping with my friends all day long, so I thought he was upset at the fact that I was a bit late, but he made no comment on it. Conversation wasn't flowing, so I suggested that we go somewhere quiet so we could talk. And this is inside of a woman's mind, so I should really be talking very quickly right now. And he agreed, uh, but he didn't say much. I asked him what was wrong. He said nothing. I asked him if, if it's my fault that he was upset. He said he wasn't upset, that it had nothing to do with me and not to worry about it. On the way home, I told him that I loved him. He smiled slightly and kept driving. I can't explain his behavior. I don't know why he didn't say, I love you too. When we got home, I felt as if I had lost him completely, as if he wanted nothing to do with me anymore. He just sat there quietly and watched TV. (laughs) He continued to seem distant and absent. Finally, with silence all around us, I decided to go to bed. About 15 minutes later, he came to bed. He fell asleep. I cried. I don't know what to do. I'm almost sure that his thoughts are with someone else. My life is a disaster. His diary. Motorcycle won't start. Can't figure out why. Period. (laughs) I read that and I was like, oh my gosh. Holy cow. Is that what's going on in there, ladies? Come on. I... It, I've, I've had many of those moments where, uh, you know, I'm sitting there because I'm, I'm going, I've got a lot of weeds in the yard, and I'm like, oh, I just got to pull the weeds, and my truck won't start, and stuff like that. Like, What's wrong? What's wrong? Nothing. I'm just, you know, just thinking about stuff. Like, men and women are different. You already know this. We don't have to make this up. We don't have to uh, try to tell ourselves that, oh, no, we're really the same and there really is no different. Men and women are very, very different. And these differences have implications that affect us profoundly. They affect us profoundly in the way that we operate. They affect us profoundly in in our propensity to sin against our spouse. They affect us profoundly in the way that we treat other people. They affect us in so many different ways. But here's the problem is that so many times, instead of celebrating our differences, we are denigrating our differences. Uh, We are criticizing women for the emotion that they have sometimes or uh, their desire to talk and to converse and, and things of that nature and to make things beautiful. Sometimes women are criticizing men for their macho behavior, for their womanizing, which probably should be criticized, but uh, there's just this criticism that comes, comes back and forth, and instead of celebrating what God has put into motion, 
and addressing the sinful behaviors, uh, what happens is this, is that in a marriage, people just constantly tend to miss each other. They constantly tend to miss each other, and there's just this constant turmoil that happens in marriages. And if, if you're not in crisis today, you're probably going to be at some point or another. If you're not dealing with some type of issue today, or if you haven't in the past, you're going to at some point. Very few people go through life and just say, it was sheer bliss, there was never any problems, and my marriage just went just fantastically. And so what we want to understand is what it looks like to have a marriage that is God-honoring and one that is going to be full of life and joy. In uh, Proverbs 15, 17, it says this, Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. And too often in the context of our marriages, uh, what Solomon is telling his son is he's saying this. He's saying, it is better for you to not have very much money to not have very much food and yet have love at your table than to, than to have everything that you want to go after all of these things and yet have this hatred at your table. Have you ever sat at a table with a group of people or with a family that hate each other? Or you're with another couple and you can just feel the tension in the room. You can just feel what they're going through and you just want to be like, oh my goodness, I, I, just, don't, I, I just don't want to be here right now. But what Solomon says is this, he says, better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. My wife uh, last night um, made me a panini. And I, I'm kind of embarrassed to say that I actually ate a panini because it just feels, it just doesn't feel very manly. Because really two nights before that, we were on our uh, uh, anniversary trip, we, 10 years uh, anniversary, and so we were at this restaurant, and yes, thank you. Oh, that's much better. Last time I said that, one person, yeah, maybe you got the clue. We celebrate marriage here, right? Goodness gracious, thank you for celebrating me and my wife, but so we went to this restaurant. It was fantastic, and I was like, what should I eat? What, uh, I mean, I, like her parents had like given us some cash, and it's like we're eating whatever we want tonight. Normally, we don't do that, or so we'd like to think, but in any case, so they, they gave us some cash, and so I'm like, what do I want to eat? They had smoked ribs at this place, and then they had, they, they had this ribeye, and I'm, I'm just like, I don't know which one to get, so we asked the waitress, like, which one should I get, and this woman has the most incredible wisdom I've ever heard, and she said this, she said this, she said, why don't you get an appetizer plate of the ribs and the ribeye, and I was like, boom, oh, Lord Jesus, that is such good wisdom. And so I was just, I mean, it was fantastic. She's the greatest waitress I've ever had. And so uh, I had ribs and this, I mean, this steak that was like, it had this crust on the outside. And I know I talk about meat a lot, but I'm trying to make a point. And I try to make a lot of points with meat, but here's, here's the point. So we come home last night, and my wife comes out. I'm working out in the yard, and she says, I've got this great idea for this meal. And she told me I could tell this story. I just want you to know before I get myself in trouble. She says, I'm going to make a panini. And, it's, and all I heard was prosciutto or prosciutto, what it sounds like Pinocchio, but um, 
Apparently, it is a meat product, but I don't believe it because it's too thin. It's just, it is, it's, it's not, it's, it, it's probably fake. I'm just saying. But in, in any case, so she says she's going to make this. She said, I, all I heard was warm cheese or like melted cheese and like a bun and something like that. So I get done working and I'm just like, oh, I'm famished. I haven't eaten. And so I, I dig into this panini and, I, and I'm like, man, what is that flavor? What am I eating right now? Like, this is like, and I'm, you know, as a guy who's been married for a while, you know that you, you try not to let that show on your face, but at the same time, my wife knows me, and she knows, like, he's not really loving this very much, so I'm just like, I'm just going to eat this, I and mean, she, she made this, this is very good, and I'm finally like, I just can't handle it anymore, and I open this thing up, and I'm like, there's leaves on this thing, there's like, there's basil in here, and like, do you know what basil is? Basil is foliage. That is not, those are full-on leaves, and then there's artichokes, and I'm like, I just, I have made a commitment that I don't eat anything that sounds like it could kill me. Like, it's an artichoke. It's choking you, right? And so I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, how do, I, how do I nicely do this? And my wife was very kind, and she was, she was like, I, I know, you probably don't. I can't remember what she said, but she was nice enough to let me pull that off. And then I just said bread, meat, and cheese, and then bread, and I, and I finished that. But here's the thing, is that whether I have a great steak or whether I have herbs on my, uh, and foliage on my dinner, there's love in my house, right? We, we, have, we have had little, and we have had love in our home. And it's been fantastic. Our marriage has been awesome. It hasn't always been easy. But it's been a fantastic marriage because there's love in our home. When, when we got married, I didn't get married thinking I was going to have this high-paying job. She didn't marry me for money. I drove a 1992 Chevy pickup that had 250,000 miles on it. And it was many years old at that point, and it's still that old. I mean, she didn't marry me because I was going to be putting a fattened ox on the table. She married me because there was something between us. There was wisdom that was going on that was saying this. And she has said this in the past, but Matt's trajectory is with Jesus. And I looked at her and I said, her trajectory is with Jesus. Her trajectory is there. And that's where I want to be. And so our home has had love in it. So here's the thing, is that if you mess this up, and you can mess this up, you can have a great home with nice food and nice clothes and all kinds of great things, and you can have hate at your table, and you can have hate at your table, and every bit of that won't matter one bit because all you'll be thinking about is there is hate at my table. You do not want that. A wise man, a wise woman listens to advice. You must get advice. So what is the standard? Proverbs 31 is continually um, used in Christian circles as the standard of a godly woman. And it begins in verse 10 by saying, an excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. And I will just exclaim that. 
Like when I meet people and I, and I see an excellent wife, I can see that on the guy's face. I can see that on the girl's face. I can, I can, see, that, I can see this working together. I assess other church planters. These are men who are starting churches. I assess them on a regular basis. And what happens is this, is that I, I, uh, I sit down with them and we, we watch the wife because we want to see how she's responding for a couple reasons. One, like church planting isn't just a guy's thing. It's not just my deal, but it, it puts a lot of pressure on the family. And can this wife handle this, this pain and the suffering that comes sometimes from starting a church by not having a lot of money and, and not having all kinds of things? She, can she handle this? And I see many, many excellent wives. But what Solomon is saying here is he's saying an excellent wife who can find? I mean, they're not everywhere. I'm assuming that there's many, many, many of them in this room. But if we were to le- read through this passage, in fact, let me just read a few of the verses from Proverbs 31, 10 and following. It says, uh, the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. Um, she is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food, food from afar. She rises while it's still yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it with the fruit of her hands. She plants a vineyard. I mean, this woman is like, ladies, I, I just want to tell you that's a tall order, Right? That's a tall order because what Solomon is describing here is superwoman. It's Jesus as a woman. It's this woman who has extensive energy and apparently no children at this time, right? I mean, she just has all the time in the world to be. I mean, she's like buying flax and stuff like this. My wife used to say, I'm, I'm kind of a Proverbs 31 woman. I said, you haven't bought flax yet. And she, because we never had flax in the home. And then she brings flax home one day. And I'm like, all right, fine. You're a Proverbs 31 woman. But here's the thing. It's like there's so many things there that it would be very difficult to fulfill all those. But that's not the point of this. That's not the point of this to say, to create this unreachable standard, girls, for you. But it's to say this. These are the kinds of things that women who work with wisdom and who fear the Lord do. They want what's best for their husband. You see what it said there in in verse 11? The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She is for him. She's serving him. She wants him to have the things that he needs. She, She is helping him in all these different ways, and she's serving the home, and she's making things work well together. And that's so much how the marriage should go is that it's not just his responsibility and it's not just her responsibility, but they're intended to work together. And so an excellent wife, who can find she is far more precious than rubies or silver or gold or whatever, an excellent wife. And the question is this, if you're looking to get married, are you somebody who's preparing yourself and saying, what is my heart going after with my spouse? Do I want to lift him up and to help him? Or am I looking for somebody who's just going to fulfill my every longing, who's going to fulfill my every need? 
who's going to fulfill everything that I've ever desired. And I want to tell you this, that if you get into marriage and you think that this guy is going to meet your every need, you're going to run into the same problem that most women and most people who get into marriages who think that, and that is that they will never be enough for me. They will never be enough for me. I promise you this, that if you go into marriage thinking that your husband or your spouse is going to provide everything that you need, you have another thing coming. And it's going to lead to disaster. So we have a, an incredible woman here. The NIV says, a wife of noble character who can find. So this is somebody who has great character, who's looking to serve their husband. Secondly, let's take a look at, uh, at men. There is no chapter in Proverbs, no single chapter in Proverbs, that is devoted to uh, men. In fact, I would say this. All of the chapters of Proverbs are devoted to men. So what Solomon took 31 chapters or 30 chapters to do with men, he's now taking one chapter to do with women. And so much of Proverbs is really to men. It's saying to them, like, this is what it looks like to be wise, and this is what it looks like to be a fool. <clears throat> but even more than that, what Paul says in Ephesians 5, 25, is he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So men do not just have one chapter, but they really have four chapters at least in the Gospels, I'm sorry, four books in the Gospels between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which talk about the life of Jesus Christ. And so the man in his marriage is looking to replicate who Jesus is. He wants to be Jesus to his wife. He's looking to serve her in every way possible. And so here's the question to our men, and that is, are you thinking that as you get into marriage... That this isn't just a declaration of like present love, but this is a declaration, this is a promise of future love that says this, I am willing to sacrificially give myself up for you from now until the day that one of us dies. I am somebody who's going to say this, that I want to live out Jesus' life in the way that he lived it out towards the church with my spouse. I want to honor her. I want to lift her up. I want to take care of her. In fact, if you were to look further into Ephesians, which I meant to mark. Bible sword drill here. Okay, here we go. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. But how many of us go into marriage thinking, how is she going to provide for me? Is she a good cook? Is she hot? Is she, is she going to be intimate with me when I want? Is she going to whatever? 
But what the scriptures say is this, is that when you get into marriage, if you're somebody who says that this marriage is going to be all about you providing for, for me all of my needs, all of my relational needs, all of, all of my spiritual needs, all of, all of these things, if you're thinking that, then you're in for some trouble because there are some things that God has intended that your spouse, especially your husband, should provide for you. And there are some things that your wife should provide for you. But if you go into it thinking that that's what you're getting, you're in big trouble. There's going to be relational discord in a hurry. And actually, I need to hurry. And so... Spent all my time on the jokes in the beginning, and uh, here we are. Proverbs 12, 4, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. And what I, what I believe that th what needs to happen right here is this, is that a woman has to give thought to her ways. Because there's a lot of blame to go around for our men. For me, I, I'm, I'm a man. I, I, am, I am a moron at times. I have been a fool. But what this is saying here is this, is that we're both sinners. And ladies, let me try to say this as tenderly as possible. If you don't get that you also are a sinner, there's going to be problems. If you walk into your marriage thinking, He's just a big, dumb guy, and I'm this nice girl, sugar and spice and all things nice, right? Then there's going to be issues because you're not going to be able to see your own sin. You're not going to be able to see your own problems. You're not going to be able to see what's going on in your heart and in your marriage, what's causing the discord, Proverbs 19, 13, a foolish son is ruined to his father, and a wife's quarreling is a continual dripping. Think about this for a second. I know we're sticking on the women here for a second, but a wife's quarreling is a continual dripping. Proverbs 27, 15, and 16, a continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike to restrain her is to restrain the wind or to grasp oil in one's right hand. I, I, I really want you to see this, that Proverbs is constantly saying that here you have a quarrelsome wife, and she is like a continual dripping. And think about that. There's the drip, 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 drip. You ever had that in your faucet while you're trying to go to sleep, drip, drip. It's, it's always there. It doesn't go away. It's continual. It's arguing. It's contentiousness. It's belittling. It's controlling. Ladies, you have to understand that you're, uh, when you're doing that, it is a continual dripping. And what's taking place is that if you've ever seen a faucet that's been left on over some concrete and it's constantly dripping, constantly dripping, it will eventually wash away that concrete. It'll leave rocks there. It, it erodes the concrete that's there, and you don't even know it. Guys get in trouble because they blow up their marriages. It's not that women don't do that, but guys predominantly blow up their marriages through all kinds of crazy, stupid things, right? Women 
don't often understand what they're doing when they're consistently arguing, belittling, controlling. There's a constant dripping there. If you don't hear that, if you don't look at that and say, that is a part of my nature, that's a part of who I am, that's, that is, I was created in this way, and yet this is what takes place when I am sinful, I am nitpicking. I'm going after him. I'm bringing this up. I'm bringing that up. I'm bringing the other thing up. And as a result, what happens is this. You're eroding the foundation of your marriage. And so, ladies, when you're getting into marriage and when you're looking for a spouse, what you have to look at is like, or how are you nitpicking this guy before you even get into the marriage? I'm not saying that every woman deals with this specific thing, but Solomon says this for a reason. And so some of us in this room are dealing with this. And my experience has been that it's, it's true that behind every great man, as it were, is a great woman, an incredible woman. That is so true. And ladies... If you're a constant dripping on your man, and the only thing that's going to do is tear him down. It's only going to tear him down. Your life, as a result, is going to be worse. There's more to that story that I have to stop right there because I didn't even get through a quarter of what I was going to do this morning. And I want to bring my wife up real quick and, and just talk. Do you mind coming up? It's a good place. Yeah, would you guys welcome her? And this is, this is probably a, a good time. We had talked about this in advance. Yeah, but about... first things first. Guess okay. who's making dinner tonight? <laughs> All right. Go ahead. I am making dinner because I'm cooking the flank steak, right? Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. All right. I'm going to have another panini. All right. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're talking right here. We have to stop right here. So um, we're talking right here just about like what gals are dealing with in marriage. And certainly not, not all of those things are covered in every detail in Proverbs. But from your experience, like what have you seen in the lives of our women in your own life that you'd say like these are the things that our gals are, are dealing with? Well, I, I mean, I really love those scriptures, and I think sometimes they're hard to hear because I think we can kind of brush those off. Like, I don't do that. I'm not negative all the time and things like that. But I think what I have realized just in my own life is I have to be careful um, even just what, what I say, how I say it, and really, honestly, sometimes when I say things, when I choose to bring things up. And I think one of the things that is the most important for us as women to realize is that our since we are different, as you talked about those differences in personality and how we hear things and how we process and say things, the, sometimes the way that I say something communicates disrespect to my husband, and, and then there's an immediate defensiveness, and, and vice versa. He can say things to me that are the same, the same way. And so I think um, understanding, um, choosing timing, choosing how we talk about things or how we bring things up, and also understanding, I, I think when I got married, I think I just thought Matt, and Matt's, to me, he's a tough guy, but there's, there's a soft, sweet Matt underneath there. But um, Don't believe it. Uh, anyways, but I think I just could kind of, 
you know, interact with him like, oh, he can take it, you know, he's fine, he's tough, he can take it, and, and my words, I think I, I didn't understand the impact of my words and what I, what I say, and I think there's probably a lot of wives that just think, or sometimes the way that our husbands talk to us, we think, well, I can talk like that, or I can, you know, I could come, come back like that, but honestly, what I have learned is that when, when I, when I kind of go you go at my husband like that, or, hey, you didn't do this, or you didn't do that. Honestly, if the tables were turned, he would be in big trouble if he talked to me the way that I could sometimes communicate to him. And I think we have to evaluate that, uh, not according to a worldly standard, but according to scripture. So the, the constant dripping, the constant, the constancy of those words, I think we have to be careful. I, I know this is an issue for, for gals because, you know, we see something that we want done, or, and, you know, like, why, can't, why didn't you do this, or why didn't you do that? And and I don't, like, I don't like that when it's, you know, the one thing I didn't do, it's like, oh, how come this didn't get done? And I'm just ticked because I was like, did you see the 10 other things I did? Well, <laughs> it's the same, the same goes, you know, the same goes the other way too is when our husbands are working hard and sometimes we don't see how they're working hard or what they're working on because sometimes they don't communicate that to us. Sometimes they're thinking about a truck not starting and so we just think they're being silent or whatever. But I think being careful that we, that we don't nitpick and anyway, so... Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I think an example of that was was as at what one point like the thing that I always forget to do is I forget to like stop and just say how have I poured into my wife lately, and and so that about the time that we bought the uh, the house on on Thirteenth Place and it was it was, this was this was a good example of that where you know. Chris comes to me and what did you what did you say? Well, we were in the process of buying a house. Say you it shouldn't right say now. it. No, it's yeah. quite true. Smart. <laughs> see, ten years. Uh, and I had said, <laughs> I only took him ten. Um, uh, I don't remember. No. Drip. Drip. <gasps> uh, no, no, no. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you. I'm in so much trouble when cooking, I get home. Oh my gosh. <laughs> cooking and sleeping on the couch. <laughs> um. I don't remember what I was saying. Okay, oh no, we had just bought a house, and we, I mean, we had two, I think we had two kids by then, Matt was working super hard, and I got upset with him because we hadn't been on a date in a while. It's like, you know, we just haven't been on a date, I'm just not feeling loved, and, you know, which there probably was a part of me that felt, and that, that's, not a, that's not a bad thing, I, I think I was feeling like I wasn't, we weren't super connected, you know, and he was busy and doing a bunch of stuff, but in my sin, I took my own kind of selfishness and said, you haven't met this one particular need that I want met right now. And I placed that expectation on my husband. And that was wrong. I should not have done that. And I was, I was going to recommend, too, that um, about a month ago, I watched a sermon. And it's by Matt Chandler. And the title of it is called A Woman's Hurdles. Don't let that throw you. It's a little. But it's phenomenal. And I would really encourage you gals to watch it. And he talks about how comparison and see, comparison and perfection are our two biggest struggles. And he shared the story about how it was between him and his wife, and he was working hard, very similar. It was almost the exact same scenario that Matt and I had kind of worked through. And this has happened, this has happened more than one time, because yeah, I yeah. get in my head, like, he didn't meet this one need that I need met right now. And that's really selfish. I mean, that, at the core of that, that's sin, and that's placing an expectation on my husband to meet a need that, honestly, Jesus could fill, and we'll work on the rest later. But but Matt Chandler talked about how he was working super hard, and he said the way that his wife had noticed some disconnection, similar to what I had, you know, and he said, I, I really appreciated the way that she, that she, he said that she came to me. So basically his wife came to her, to her husband and said, 
you know, I know you're working so hard right now. I know you have a ton going on, and I, I respect all the things that you're involved in and doing. And she said, I'm just, I'm feeling like we're a little off right now. I'm feeling like there's some, some miscommunication happening. And she said, what, what could I do to, to kind of help kind of bring some, some maybe peace and some order to kind of how I feel a little bit chaotic? And he just responded like, awesome, because he felt affirmed. She brought her need to him still, but it was in a way that was respectful of him and chose to honor him and respect what he was doing. And I, I love that. I think that's true wisdom is affirming our spouse in the, in the midst of maybe a need that we have, um, but affirming and not attacking because it just never, it never goes well. Yeah, and so to finish our story, like what, really, what it was really about was I hadn't bought flowers in a little while. And, and I was, and I was like, I was so. working my tail off. I was trying to get into this house and she's like, you haven't bought me flowers. And I'm like, I know I bought you a house. Like, <laughs> like, and the house probably has some flowers around it. Like, take it. but it was such a disconnect because, because it was like, you know, just totally missing each other. Here I am trying to, you know, do something for our family, but that's not speaking love. And so communicating yeah, but, on those things I, but has been that good. wasn't your fault though I mean I think like we we I think women can have really um, just expectations that we put on our husbands to meet that are just they're not godly they're sinful and I and I've and I have done that a ton and so we've had to work through that and I've had to repent for that and anyways yeah thanks babe love you okay high five yeah um Come back next week for part two, and uh, I'll try to be quicker. But um, I, uh, I have a, a lot more that I realized we just stopped with the gals right there, and uh, we're going to pick it up with um, probably ending that part and then getting into our guys and, and talking about that. And I, I really want you to be here. I really want you to be a part of it, both so you can understand what to look for in a spouse and what kind of spouse to be. So much more to come. Um, ultimately, what we would say is this, is that nothing's going to happen in your life until you understand the sacrifice that Jesus has made for you on the cross. When you see what Jesus has done for you, then you can do that for your spouse and for the people in your life. When you see what he's done for you on the cross, then you can replicate that in your marriage. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity this morning to come together and to um, talk through uh, issues in life. Lord, we pray for your wisdom. Lord, we pray that it would resonate in each of us. Lord, that we would be people who are truly of the cross, even in the midst of our marriages, even in the midst of, in the midst of our arguments and our fighting and all of that stuff. So, Lord, we ask you for this, and we pray that good things would take place in, um, in our lives, Lord, in our city in the, midst of, in the midst of Salem, in our, in our workplaces. Lord, I pray that there would be people in this room that have previously had difficult marriages that, that may find healing and, Lord, be able to be a comfort to others who are in the midst of crisis, in the midst of difficulty. Lord, I pray that those, who, those of us who are believers in this room, Lord, that we would understand the power that we have because we have the truth, because we don't have to wonder about whether um, you have established our gender and, our, and um, that you've established who we are and our makeup. And Lord, that you've pointed out the areas where we sin 
And so, Lord, we, we ask you for this. We pray that it would be a help to our city. We pray that it would be a help to us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.